eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Damn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, publisher of Beaver Blitz. Joined with me, as always, in his spiffy Beaver Blitz hoodie <laughs> is Beaver Blitz beat writer, Jake Hedberg. Jake, how in the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic. What about yourself? I am good. My week was good. Um, didn't We watched a lot of football, which yeah. we will talk about here, some of those Pac-12 games. Uh, did you watch catch some of those college games? Uh, I mostly watched national games. I caught the the end of Washington, Arizona State, and USC, Utah as well. So, so those are a couple that we'll talk about here later. Yeah. Um, good day of, or good weekend of football. Fall is here, and now it's back to the the last what five weeks of the season. Um, yeah. Is that right? Five weeks. So uh, Beavs are on the crazy. road for two weeks. Um, we're going to talk about this coming week. So let's the the schedule goes at Arizona, at Colorado, home versus Stanford, home versus Washington, and then on the road at Autzen. So um, a big, big time into the season here for Oregon State. So you rested and ready to go now for the, the five-week down the down the stretch? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to jump right back in it. Awesome. Well, we are we have a great show lined up for you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the bye week, kind of what, the, what Coach Smith said today in his uh, press conference, kind of what the team did. We want to talk recruiting. Um Big time recruit um, commitment on Friday, and then another one today that just happened. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 season so far, um, what happened this past weekend. We're going to talk Arizona and, and preview Arizona and the Wildcats, and then we're going to open up the mailbag. If you're watching live, though, make sure to pop in any questions or comments in the live chat. We'll try to get to those as we can, and then we'll be taking our mailbag questions from Beaver Blitz. But Let's talk a little bit about the bye week because, you know, people ask about, you know, what happens during bye week. Coach Smith said they actually only went, what, two days last week practice? Yeah, relatively light week for them. Light week. Um, coaches were coaches did spend a lot of time looking at film yeah. from the first seven games. Um, I, I know one of the big things they're trying to work on is the uh, rush defense. So that is going to be something I think you see. But they also hit the practice field yesterday, Sunday practice. Yeah. So that's a, that's a new uh, kind of they, they don't typically practice on a Sunday. Um, 
And then the coaches were on the road recruiting all weekend. So um, being able to go check out prospects live. So that's kind of in a nutshell what happened. Um, let's talk a little bit about injuries because that has been something I think that a lot of people um, have asked about. And it's also something that's of, of importance to a bye week is getting guys healthy, letting them rest up. A couple key guys that have been out or looked injured at that last UCLA game. Do we have any update? Uh, let's just start with Jake Levengood. Yeah, you know, uh, Jonathan sounded very confident about Jake, and uh, they, he said he's expected to go. I feel like even without Jake, the Oregon State offensive line has a lot of depth. Uh, obviously, having Jake back is huge. Um, I would expect Jake to go. How about Tanner Miller? I kind of a, yeah. a kind of a Tanner Great Miller. Story. I was I was looking at um, the snap counts, and Tanner Miller has the most snaps of anybody on the offense, right? Really? Wow. So I'm um, playing center and guards for, for Oregon state. So that's, that's huge to and have some. And he's a second team uh, mid season, all American too. Now he is, he is. So Crazy, huge, great story. story. Um, do we have an update then on Ryan Cooper, who I know um, looked pretty beat up there toward the end of, of the UCLA game? Yeah. This one sounds a little more questionable. The injury uh, coach Smith didn't disclose exactly what it was, but uh, I would, uh, I would be less certain about Cooper. Um, at this point, which would be a tough loss. You know, Oregon State's beaten up at the corner position. Tyrese Ivey's unavailable right now, and we aren't sure whether he'll be back this year. Uh, Jermaud McCoy, Noble Thomas, those guys are going to have to step up and play a lot of football this Saturday if Cooper cannot go. Yeah, and then Tyrese Ivey, any update on him? He did not play uh, this past week. Yeah, Tyrese is dealing – with a longer-term injury, uh, I'm not expecting him back this season. There is potential, but uh, at this point, not expecting him back. Okay, so that, that secondary has taken some hits. However, as you mentioned, a couple of those younger guys have really, really stepped up. Yeah, you know, Jamad McCoy is a guy who's started the game now as a true freshman, 18, 19 years old. A guy that's really stepped up and I think has really changed this Oregon State Oregon State secondary at least they've played much better since he's gotten in the starting five is noble thomas uh redshirt freshman from this the, from florida he's had three passes broken up in his three starts he's re really helped shut down guys from his slot spot uh really it's really uh, exciting to see younger guys step up because these are guys that are going to have to be big time contributors and starters in 2024 yeah and watching the film uh, or watching the game again against UCLA, another guy that really popped, I, I thought was uh, Jack Connie, who yeah. is back from injury, but he had, he had a monster hit that saved yes, a touchdown did. there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And Connie is another younger guy. He's a sophomore. Josiah Johnson's another sophomore who's played a lot of football this year. And both of those guys are walk-ons or at least came to Oregon state as walk-ons. Um, and, you know, seeing the development of those guys that maybe weren't as talented coming in, but, they had the potential for, you know, Coach Blue and Coach Perk to bring that out. It's it it tells a lot from the Oregon State coaching staff. Absolutely. Um, that secondary, though, like you said, it's, it's been a, a little beat up. Mm -hmm. Jaden Robinson, though, huge game yeah. against UCLA. Uh, do you see, you know, who do you see then playing the opposite side of him? Jermaud, do you think he takes gets the start on uh, – on Saturday? If Cooper is unavailable, my guess would be Jermaud at corner and Noble at uh, at Pickleback. There is a possibility they slide Noble out to corner and they bump Josiah Johnson back into nickel. If he's healthy, he missed last weekend's game or two weekends ago. Um, 
they've got options. There's guys you may see more of Alton Julian. I know uh, something Jonathan said today during his pressure during his pr- during his presser is he's trying to ramp him back up. We saw him some more in dime packages, the six defensive backs last weekend. Um, so really, they've got guys. It's just about getting them on the field consistently. Yeah, yeah. Any other injuries that I'm missing from from two weeks ago? Haven't seen John Miller in a few weeks. Uh, haven't heard anything about him. Um, Johnson, haven't heard yeah. anything about him. And the only um, offensive guy I think really is Levengood, right? Off the top of my head, yeah. As, as far as like major contributor yeah. starters. Okay, so – you know, rested, how, how much you played football, you played basketball, baseball, you know, you've played all the sports. How big is a two week layoff just in helping your body? I mean, we never really got that in high school, at least playing here in Oregon, but I would, I could imagine that it'd be a very nice break. And especially with guys dealing with injuries, Jake, Cooper, Tyrese, all those guys, it gives them time to recuperate and and also help them academically too, which I feel like is a, less talked about uh good thing about a bye week is you know they're able to spend some more time in a classroom and really get ahead of their studies to focus more on football as it gets really to crunch time yeah that's a great point because you're kind of hitting into kind of midterm session yeah, next, here next this week, week and next, next week yeah, yeah the next couple of weeks so unfortunately gives them, <laughs> unfortunately gives them a little chance to, to like you said catch up a little bit mm-hmm. um kind of maybe like you said get ahead so yeah. um Bye weeks are always a good thing. I know fans maybe hate bye weeks because if nothing else, it lets you have time to like work in the yard or do things you don't want to do. But um, for the, for the players and the coaches, it's, it's a good time. And, and again, for the coaches, I think it's the most important thing is that they get to sit down and really digest trends that they're seeing in the, in this first seven games and figure out ways of, of fixing some of the things that might have, have become glaring tackling, maybe missed tackles for Oregon state and, and that run defense. Um, one of the other pieces I wanted to touch on, Jake, and I might have missed a couple freshmen, but there's been a lot of discussion in the Lodge at Beaver Blitz about uh, who is redshirting, who maybe isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a quick search today from PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, and it looked like, so Jermont McCoy has played the most. He's played six games. He has already yep. burned his red shirt, as has Aiden Childs. He's played in five games. Um, remember, they can play in up to four games in keep their red shirt available. Zachary Card has played three, Thomas Collins in two, and Harlem Howard isn't played in one game. So those guys could still play in a few more um, and keep that shirt. But Aiden Childs and Jermon McCoy are the two true freshmen who have already burned mm-hmm. their red shirt. Yeah, there's a few others. Uh, Isaiah Chisholm's played in three games. Uh, okay. Thomas Collins has played in two. Uh, I think Card's played in four per the official for The official count? Okay. The Oregon State. Uh, so Card, four. Isaiah Chisholm, three, so he's got okay. one more. Uh, Thomas Collins has played in two games. Harlem Howard has played in one. And yeah, got him as we one. saw some more of Andre Jordan, the first of him. Oh, that's right. We did see um, Andre Jordan. Last week against UCLA on special teams. And I'm not sure if he got in on defense, but he played on kickoff and punt return. Uh, so there's another one. Uh, all the secondary – Scholarship freshmen, at least, have now played in the game, which is interesting because normally you don't see a lot of freshmen play in the secondary. Uh, but Oregon State's have Oregon State's had all three of them play now, which is, which is good in a, yeah, in a way because it's getting them live play. action yeah. uh, oh, and getting them. Me. And then uh, 
David Wells has played in one game, mm. the receiver. Yes, he has. Oh, see, pro football focus is, is letting me down a little bit here. But that's why I have Jake here. That's why Jake makes the big bucks. Right, Jake? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, do you, th I mean, Jonathan today said that we would most likely see Aiden Childs yeah. continue. Mm -hmm. Kind of that third, third series kind of area. He also talked about how much he enjoys or how, how good it is for Aiden to be getting coached up by, by DJ. DJ yeah. I, f I feel like that's an aspect a lot of people overlook is, you know, DJ is shown to have a really high football IQ. And I think that having another voice in Aiden's ear besides coach Smith, coach Lindgren, coach, coach, uh, John Boyer, having a quarterback that's out there and playing against the same teams and seeing things that Aiden might not necessarily be seen or the coaching staff mm -hmm. might not necessarily be seen. I think that's huge for him and it's going to really help his development in the long run. I, I agree. And, and I, th I think fans have noticed that if they're watching, um, watching them live, but it's not just when Aiden goes out and plays his, his one series, DJ goes over and talks to him even after DJs come out from a series and, and talks to him about what he's seeing. So um, really helping, helping him, uh, young Aiden Childs and his development. Another, a peer coach in essence. Yeah. Let's talk some Pac-12. Is there anything else you want to get to about the bye week? Before uh, Actually, you know what we need to talk about? Commits. Oh, yeah. That was big. Do you want to, yeah. do you want to talk about the big one that happened Friday? Yeah, I can talk about that. So on Friday afternoon, Baron Paoni, a four-star tight end from Westland, committed to Oregon State over really a solid scholarship list for a high school junior. He had Washington, both the Arizona schools, Washington State, I believe. And this is a huge get. Barron is a great tight end. I've known him my whole life being from the same town. I played football with Case, which is Barron's brother. Uh, and this was a huge get. He's a kid who I saw him play uh, at the Elite 11 down in Eugene. And he was – and this was as a high school sophomore going up against – high four-star and five-star 2024 kids, and he more than held his own. Uh, huge get. Um, Oregon State's tight end broom. They've sent their last two tight ends to the NFL. Jack Valen seems like he might be next on the way, and I think Barron's going to have a great career at Oregon State. Is he a, is he a good pass-catching tight end? Is he a, more of a blocking tight end? How do you see him fitting into the, the Beavers' offense? I see him more as a Musgrave or Valen. You know, okay. his – production in high school hasn't necessarily been there due to just kind of the system that Westland runs the their tight ends are more spaced out and they have a division one another division one uh tight end in front of it or paired with them so uh you know and Westland's a team likes to spread the ball around so there won't necessarily be a ton of targets going to him but he's dominated the seven on seven circuit with uh I think he plays for team Lillard in seven on seven uh looked really good in the Elite 11, and every time the ball gets thrown his way, he's making big impact plays. Uh, huge get, huge get. Yeah, it's huge. And for those you know wondering, he's a class of 2025. So this yeah. is the Beavers' first commitment for the class of 2025. There's been a lot of hand-wringing just because Oregon State and Washington State still don't have a conference home. Um, I'm going to – I have a quick update on that too. Nothing huge and earth-shattering, but I do know that Oregon State and Washington State are working with scheduling um, experts and looking at what a schedule, putting together a schedule, if they do remain as a Pac-2 conference um, going forward. So we are in the final week of the mediation process between the, I always call them the traitorous 10, the traitorous 10 and the Pac-2. Um, 
I don't see any resolution coming to that through mediation. So the next date that I know of is November 14th, which would be the next trial date up in Washington. So, um, but I do know Oregon State and Washington State are, uh, you know, kind of getting their ducks in a row that way in case that is where it goes. If Oregon State, Washington State do not land a Power Four conference invite, that will be the, the route they take is to stay two. They have the two-year grace period. Um, probably look at melding all the other teams, uh, the Olympic sports, into another um, into you know some other conferences, kind of like Notre Dame does with their independent football um, play in the a ACC for their other sports. So kind of a partnership scheduling for other Olympic sports. But as of now, Oregon State is investigating and creating a schedule should that come to play. And obviously, it's not scaring off recruits. So um, especially someone of Barron's caliber, four-star number one ranked recruit in the state of Oregon for the class of 2025. Um, this is a big one, guys. This yeah. was one. Um, in fact, when I I called Brandon Huffman about this earlier in the week, and um, he said, "No, I think he's going to go Huskies." I think that's what Washington I thought too. I yeah. and I've I'm close. I was always assuming he would end up there. Yeah, Washington like put on the full court press. They um, hosted him and his family for the Oregon game. What two weeks ago? It was like their he was their number one target to the fact that. They had a couple other tight ends that wanted to commit and they wanted to wait on and see what happened with Barron. So they slow played some other commits or other recruits. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, and this is where some of these moves maybe don't make the most sense, is you have a, have someone like Barron who realized that you wouldn't, um, his family wouldn't be able to see him play because yeah. half of his games would be across the country. Um, that's, that's kind of where we're at there. Yeah, no, I, I really don't. I really think this commitment can't be talked about enough. This is huge for Oregon State to start off their 2025 class without a conference home, picking up a top 247 kid in the country. That's huge. Uh, it's going to help peer recruiting as well, I would imagine, if if guys are seeing four-star kids commit. And this is now going to be the third straight class Oregon State has a 247 kid with uh, Childs in 23, Preston Young in 24, and then Barron in 25 speaks to what job Jonathan Smith and the rest of the coaching staff has done building this program and really just making it a destination where these talented four-star kids want to come and play. Yeah. Connor Johnson just um, asked, could, could you elaborate on what you heard about mediation and why it's not going well? Um, really? I think it comes down to, I mean, Oregon state and Washington state now have, I think a little more, um, maybe a little more in their pocket as far as leverage, especially now that it's on record, and under sworn testimony that George Klyakov had said that USC and UCLA were no longer part of the voting board when they announced a year ago that they were leaving. So I, I believe that whole Washington wanting to drop the lawsuit um, and, and try to keep a, a say in, in matters is, is kind of backfired on them somewhat because now it's come out. I, what I've heard, and this is not, you know, I've just heard that Oregon state and Washington state feel really good about their chances about um, you know getting control of the pack pack two assets um, should this go that way so they're going to fight um, they're going to fight for what they believe is theirs and so this is going to be probably a bigger fight than than maybe the the traders ten thought when they when they went in um, which I don't think they really looked at it everything I think they'll jump ship and uh, maybe didn't read the fine print so it's going to be really interesting guys it's going to get really juicy here I think in the next couple of weeks. Um, 
but that was that was a huge Baroneone was huge for for a lot of reasons. But um, I don't think you can underestimate just how big it was from a standpoint that he turned down a top five team in the country. Not that Oregon State is shabby right. in their own right, but um, for one of the reasons is because of the conference they're going to be playing in. Then just I mean seriously, half an hour, hour forty yeah. an hour ago before we went live here in the pod. Oregon State picked up a commitment from punter kicker from the 2024 class. So current senior Martin Connington out of uh, Meridian, Idaho. What can you tell me about him, Jake? Yeah, I mean, this is a great kicker. Uh, Oregon State has obviously had their kicking problems in the last two, three years. Obviously this year with the performance of Sappington, that hasn't been too much of a struggle, but we know college kickers and their inconsistency and Connington is a great kicker. He is actually ranked as a three-star kicker, like per 24-7, which only a handful of kids are, 10, 12 kids, I think, tops. He's number seven in the country. Uh, Chris Saylor has him as a five-star kicker, which is great. Um, Connington's a guy who has a really strong leg. Per Chris Saylor can convert kicks up to 55 yards. And he's also a great punter, too, which Oregon State loses Josh Green. Uh, we do have two other punters on the roster, but none of them have attempted a punt. So theoretically, there's going to be an open punting competition, and you could very well see Connington take over the punting role in 2024. It's a, it's a big get. So he originally committed to hometown Boise State, um, decommitted, um, was on a visit out to Oregon State for the UCLA game. So um, another another big get for Oregon State, who it had been a little quiet on the recruiting front for the past couple months mm-hmm. as Oregon State focused kind of on the season at hand. But um, we're starting to see a little more movement again going forward. Let's talk now about Pac-12. Let's do it because it's going to be. Um, it was it was kind of a wild week. It was a it was a short a small week just because a lot of guys a lot of teams were on by. But talk about the week that was. Washington State heads to Autzen and loses uh, 38-24. It was, it was a pretty good game. I watched part of it. Um, it was a good first half. Second it was a good first half. half. Of it, yeah. It's still Washington State is not the same Washington State yeah. that Oregon State played up in, in the Palouse that day. Not at all. Um, well, I was talking to a few of my buddies about that on Saturday, and we're thinking, man, if Cam Ward plays like he has any other game, Oregon State wins oh, that game. Just they win it by twenty. Yeah, uh, unfortunate, but you know, Oregon State's still in the hunt. They're still a yeah. playoff contender, and they just got to keep on grinding and really just winning out. Well, and, and I think, and I'll, and I'll jump ahead because I think this is timely, is you can never underestimate a team. If you look, if you watched yeah. any of that ASU-Washington game in the Pac-12 yeah. after dark, so here's ASU, one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. One win, one win, one win yeah. not even in conference. Um, they led number five Washington for a majority of that game. There was some questionable refereeing there, too, towards the end. When of isn't there, though? Yeah. Jake, come on, serious. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but – Washington ends up pulling a 15 to seven win. This was a team. Washington was a 28 point favorite. This was at home at Husky stadium. Um, Huskies can't feel too great about that performance. Penix had what? Three interceptions. Yeah. This was the first time since he transferred to Washington. You kind of saw the Indiana Penix come out where he turned the ball over. You know, he didn't look comfortable the first time he really looked human. Uh, And, you know, it shows Oregon state, they can do it. That's a beatable team. Yeah, they have a really explosive offense, but if Arizona State can hold them to, to you know, 15, 15 points and points. not one offensive touchdown, then Oregon State's more than capable of doing that as well. 
Yeah. And I, but I think it also is, it's a testament too that you can't overlook anyone. And so, yeah. you know, Oregon state has a couple games here. Arizona is um, going to be tough. Arizona is going to be tough on the road. Um, okay. So then uh, number 25 ranked UCLA beat Stanford 42, seven, not super surprised there. Now, Interesting. The, game, the quarterback switch though, from going from Dante Moore to Garbers and offensively Garbers looked much more comfortable than Dante Moore did in his last two, three games. And, the He's gotten were rocked. He's gotten shell shocked yeah, a little I bit mean, though, Dante Moore. Playing Oregon State and Utah and yeah. even Washington State at that time, their defenses were really good and can be challenging for an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, I, I think it's almost it's it's probably a good even for his mental state to sit yeah. a little bit and just kind of take a deep breath. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause he took some big hits and he's also thrown yeah. some interceptions. So um sometimes you gotta kind of check yourself a little bit and uh, get back on, on track. The game of the week I thought in the PAC 12 was number 14, Utah at USC. That game came down to the very end of the game. Utah pulls out 34, 32 victory. Yeah. Huge, huge game. Huge. I think what Kyle Woodingham has done with now knowing Cam Rising and Keith, they're both out for the year. Um, What he's done with a walk on quarterback and, limited offensively. I mean, their best running back right now is a their starting safety uh, in Sione hockey. Um, and I, I think that this team, they're growing offensively. They're, they've lost conference games in the past early, and then they've ran the table the rest of the way. And again, I think this is a huge resume booster for Oregon State as well. Yeah, that was going to be the point I was going to ask. If, yeah. If, is that, does that win now? You know, people talk about the, the loss to Washington State hurting the Beavers, does this win yeah. over Utah help the Beavers? I think it helps them tremendously. Um, you know, Utah was on the road for that game too, and they went in there and they held Caleb Williams. They contained them. And, or I mean, at this point, I think Oregon State is a better team than USC, and I think that's pretty clear. I think Oregon State's still a better team than, U- than Utah, and I wouldn't be shocked if you potentially saw that matchup again between the Beavers and the Utes uh, in December. Yeah, so huge game this weekend because it's becoming now things are kind of sorting themselves out a little bit bit in the Pac-12. There's a very clear top four. Yes, and and then Oregon plays at Utah this week, so that's going to be another big, a big one there. I mean, one of those teams is going to be eliminated from playoff contention. Well, do you think so though, or do you think a two? Do you think you could still see a two-loss team? I don't don't think a two-loss Pac-12 champion champion makes it into the college football playoff. I, okay. I just don't. Um, now, if it was an SEC team, you probably would, but yeah. just because of the Pac-12's reputation or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> even though the Pac-12 is a tremendously better football conference than the SEC, and that's a, a really a hill I'd die on right now. The yeah. SEC has four good football teams, maybe five. Yeah. And then a bunch of, yeah. And a and bunch of, I mean, Auburn almost lost to Cal. <laughs> <laughs> That's not horrible. Okay, so let's okay let's talk about those one lost teams. Like, so you have the one conference lost teams. You have, um, well, you have Washington at the top. Yeah, they're undefeated. Then we have um, Oregon, Oregon, Utah, Utah, Oregon, Oregon State, State, and, and USC. SC still has one Pac-12 yeah, loss. One Pac-12 but... loss. I don't uh, think USC. I think USC has another loss or two. SC's going to – they're going to lose to Oregon or or Washington or even UCLA. Uh, I think UCLA could – with their defense, they could 
bottle up Caleb Williams, and I think their offense, if Garbers or Dante Moore grows, then they're capable of if, of putting up enough points too. So okay. there's three games where they very well could lose. So it, it, it's going to get interesting. It, it's going to get really interesting, especially with Oregon State yeah. playing two of those top ten teams. Yeah, the last two games of the season. Last two games. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> it's really the Pac-12 is starting to Pac-12 itself. Um, we'll see how the rest of the conference plays out, but you know, there's a very good chance Washington comes into Corvallis on November 18th at 10 and 0. And if Oregon state can get past these tough road, this tough road test, then they very well could be nine and one. So it'll be crazy. Yeah. It could be huge. It could be huge. Don't you want to get well ahead of ourselves. See, you very, in my opinion, you very well could see Oregon, Washington and Oregon state all with one loss or less entering week 11 of the year. So very similar to the 2000 season. Yeah, the same three schools, which, yeah, which is crazy so, to think about. So Connor Connor Johnson in the chat, thank you for, for keeping the yeah. chat going here, Connor. He said it's either Oregon State, Washington State, or Georgia, Tennessee for game day that weekend. I agree. Uh, I think at this point, I know Carolina Clemson was another one. I don't think Clemson's is going to get college game day. And I think if the opportunity is there, the game day crew is going to go to Oregon state. They've, it's got a really good story behind it. The pack, you know, a team that doesn't have a conference in there at, at this point, if Oregon state's nine and one, I feel like it's you, safe to say they'll be top 10. But do you think that ESPN since they helped create this mess would yeah. want to, to talk about that mess? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I feel like there'd be a lot of revolt from fan bases. If you see, a Tennessee team with two losses now, they might drop one more to Missouri or I don't think they played Missouri or, or Kentucky. I don't think they've played them either. Um, so what could be a three, four loss Tennessee team hosting undefeated Georgia where one loss Oregon state team hosting an undefeated Washington. I feel like there'd be some backlash from, from the West really West. just football fans, not just yeah. pack pack two or pack 12 fans. It's, it's going to get crazy. Like I said, Oregon State has to take care of business this weekend, yes. first and foremost. does worry me a little bit. Um, get, speaking of game day, the damn flag made its appearance again. So thank you to Don, um, who drove with his son three and a half hours, I think it was, three and a half hours from his home in Pennsylvania to college game day to wave the damn flag um, along with Old Crimson. So got some great pictures of that. And um, we have a great crew lined up for Salt Lake City. So the damn flag will continue to fly this coming weekend with game day being in Salt Lake for the duck game. So um, if you are um, available um, to wave the flag, you're interested, make sure to, to post it in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. Um, there's a couple guys on Beaver Blitz that are doing an amazing job. I just kind of help facilitate and get the word out. But um, a couple of our members are just stepping up, um, got some good ideas too, um, because at some level we have to figure out how this continues on in the funding because it's not cheap to overnight or two day air flags and poles across the country, not super cheap and not easy. So um, stick, stay tuned to Beaver Blitz because there will be some more info coming on that. Um, but yeah, Connor said, I love the picture of Don and his kid. His son had the biggest smile on his face. Talk about bucket list moment. Um, yeah. It'll, it was, it was fun to see. I would love to experience college game day. Still have yet to in my life. So it, it will be interesting if, if college game day comes to Corvallis, we might have so many 
damn flags flying, it'll be, which should be the case. so much fun. <laughs> it will be fun. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break for the podcast side, but we'll be back in just a moment. Um, if you're not a member of beaverblitz.com, it's a great chance to join. Huge, you know, month and a half coming up with, actually two months coming up when you look at yeah. signing day coming up in December, bowl game coming up. This is definitely the time to be in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. Uh, Start all the basketball as well. Got that. That's right. Week. You, were you at, was, was there a yeah. availability today? Yeah, I was at, uh, so I had class till 1120, so I couldn't do any of the interviews, but I watched about half an hour of practice and that was, uh, you know, fun to watch. I think it's going to be an, an improved team. Uh, in 2023 and 2024. Okay. Well, we'll be adding more basketball coverage to not only Beaver Blitz, but to the damn podcast as the season kind of progresses, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, again, though, just another reason to get into the logic Beaver Blitz because Jake writes his thoughts in there. Um, we give inside behind the scenes information and that's kind of where we discuss what's going on with the pack two and the trader is 10 as well. So uh, make sure to get your subscription to Beaver Blitz right now. I believe you can still get a, your first month for a dollar. So um, it's a nice time to join um, as well. We'll be back in just a minute with the second half of the damn podcast. <coughs> Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the damn podcast. Again, I am your host, Angie Machado. Joined with me is Jake Hedberg, BeaverBlitz.com beat writer. We just got done talking about all kinds of fun stuff. We talked about commitments. We've talked about Oregon State. Um, we've talked about college game day and the damn flag. But now let's talk. I want to I want to break into what um, this week looks like in the Pac-12 because there's some good games yeah. as, as well. Um, start with the big one. Number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. The the odds makers have Oregon as a seven point favorite. What are your thoughts on that one, Jake? This is gonna be a good game. Uh it's at 1230, right? Uh yeah, I believe so. Perfect. 1230. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a great game. Uh I feel like it's gonna be a tough matchup for Oregon, you know, going down and playing uh in Salt Lake is always tough. And this is a team that has a lot of momentum right now. It looks like they found a quarterback in Bryson Barnes. They put up more than 30 points in two straight games, and it's going to be the toughest defense Oregon's faced to this point as well, which I feel like is an overlooked aspect uh, of Oregon's offensive success is they haven't really faced a super tough defense yet, um, and that's going to change. Uh, I I think Utah is going to squeak, squeak this one out. I think if it's in, I think if, I think if it's an Austin, Oregon wins by 10 points, but due to the home field advantage that Utah possesses, I think they win another close game yeah i mean that's just it the the must is not going to be easy on, on yeah. the ducks I, i'm really excited to sit down and watch this game uh it, it's it's going to be a great game and one that the another one of the great ones that the pac-12 has had so far yeah so many good games and you talk about the pac-12 kind of cannibalizing itself but um 
there's so many good teams. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, when you, eight teams have been ranked in the top twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. nine. And then and then you look at some of the. I mean, Cal has not been ranked, but um, they're exactly. not a bad team. Yeah. And um, okay, so next game is number five, Washington at Stanford. Washington is a twenty-six and a half point favorite. Washington rolls this one, right? Yeah, I think Washington bounces back in a big way. Um, Stanford's secondary is questionable. Um, as you know, Garbers threw for 290 on them this weekend. Sanders threw for over 300 on them. And if you're struggling secondary, the last team you want to face is Washington with Penix. You know, Roma Dedunze is arguably the best receiver in the country. Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. I think Huskies roll. This one's over by halftime. Huskies running game doesn't seem to be um, anything special. No. But the one thing is, is the one team they've had a hundred-yard runner against was Oregon. Okay. For what it's worth. Okay. For what it's worth. Well, <laughs> we've seen how well Oregon stops the run. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that because this is a Beaver-friendly podcast. Um, okay, number twenty-four USC travels to Cal, where the Trojans are eleven-point favorites. I don't know about this one. Yeah, it's just, I think USC wins, uh, just due to if, if Oregon State scores. 52 points on Cal. I think Caleb Williams is going to have a field day. Um, Cal's secondary is weak. However, defensively, Oregon – or, excuse me, not Oregon. USC still issues. Alex Grinch somehow still has a job. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. Uh, just, just kind of an interesting thing I found on Twitter is through 22 games as the head coach at USC, Clay Helton and Lincoln Riley have the same record. For what it's really worth. seventeen and five, just really? for what it's worth, kind of an interesting little. But yeah, Lincoln Riley there. is still considered the golden yeah. child, and Clay and, Helton and, was. And Clay Helton, for damn sure, didn't have Caleb Williams as his starting. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. That's just a little good little. That's yeah. a that's a nice little nugget there. Um, Colorado travels to UCLA. UCLA is a seventeen point favorite. This one's interesting, just because. Yeah. Colorado's playing UCLA the week before they play Oregon State. So do you think the Bruins beat up on him a little bit? I don't know. I I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I, I, I think Colorado is going to cover, um, okay. not necessarily win the game, but I think it'll be closer than just 17. I think Colorado is going to be able to throw the ball. However, it's going to be a long day for Chidor Sanders being pressured by a, really a daunting UCLA pass rush, and he's taken up – up at top five most sacks out of any quarterback. I know he's up there. Um, I I don't see him getting super comfortable, but I, I think they're still going to score points. Um, I don't think – do you think Colorado's offensive line is that good? Because no. I don't no. think – I think UCLA is going to tee off on them. Yeah, I, I still think with the way Colorado runs their, their scheme and their system, he's going to get the ball out quick and fast. Um, but he is going to be pressured. I think their downfield passing game is going to be – limited just due to him not having time to throw um I, I i feel like it'll be a high scoring game i feel like it'll be like a 48 40 ucla win okay okay and then the game of the night pack 12 after dark number 11 osu at arizona where the beeves are currently three and a half point favorites yeah does this, this one is, have you worried this one has me very worried this is a very talented arizona team especially on the offensive side of the ball uh Ever since they switched quarterbacks from Jaden Delora to Noah Fafita, there's been almost a different look. This this is a team that almost beat USC 
Auburn beat Washington, then stomped Washington State in Pullman. And they've got some guys. They have probably have the second-best receiving core in the Pac-12 behind uh, Washington. They've got Jacob Cowling, who's an experienced guy, more of a possession receiver than a big play threat, and Teotora Hickmillan, who may be the second-best receiver in the conference. And then uh, the Colorado transfer, Montana, Limonius Craig, and then a really good tight end in Tanner McLaughlin. Um, this is a team that's going to challenge the Oregon State secondary, and they can run the ball effectively too with Jonah Coleman. So it's going to be a team that pushes Oregon State. Defensively, they have a strong run run defense. This is it's going to be the fourth straight game now where Oregon State has faced a defense that gives up less than 100 yards per game on the ground. Uh, and the, but the the one issue where I think Oregon State is going to take advantage of is they have a younger secondary, not as experienced. I think with DJ and really the talent between Silas Bolton, Anthony Gould, and Jack Velling, this is a big time advantage that Oregon State is going to need to take advantage of. So what you know, you you've kind of given us the you know play the players to watch, but what are the keys to this game if Oregon State is going to have success? Is it going to be downfield passing? I think offensively, it's going to be moving the ball down the field. That's going to be a huge advantage in a, a matchup that Oregon State can exploit. It just will they. Um, you know, DJ's been hot. If he can keep it going, that'd be huge because when DJ's on, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country. And f- for them to be facing weaker secondary, it can really open up the – I think it'll help open up the run game too if the Oregon State – uh, if if the Oregon State pass game is as successful as it can be, so that's offensively the big key to watch. And then defensively, it's going to be the Oregon State's secondary, especially if Ryan Cooper can't play, because if he's not, you're going to have Jermod or, or Noble guarding Teatora or Jacob Cowan, and those are two really good receivers. Yeah, it's it's gonna this one this one if you remember in this in in august this was the game yeah. i had marked as a trap game for oregon state that could not overlook because i, th- I think arizona is always tough especially at home um this is and, and it's shaping up i mean just looking at how they've played other teams it, it looks like it could be could be uh mm-hmm. maybe top, more of a nail biter yeah you know top 25 teams haven't really had a whole lot of success playing in the desert especially during night games and here, here is a top, almost a top ten team in the country, going to Arizona to play at seven o'clock. It's going to be a late game. Uh, it'll, it's, it's going to be a fun one, I think, but one to be nervous about. The students you know? will probably be a little, little amped. Halloween weekend, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they that's will our thing. How many students will actually be at the game? You never know. That could be. That's, that's true. Maybe it won't be. be as, yeah, I, I, I think the atmosphere can be. Big, but you know they don't sell out their stadium, so it's not like yeah. it, you know it's going to be. Um, I mean, Costco was selling tickets. You guys, Costco sells tickets, uh, two packs for these games down in Arizona. So, do they um, really? Yeah, I, crazy, I huh? I, I know that because we are kind of going down to the game yeah. and meeting some Beaver friends down there, and um, they one of the couples lives down in Tucson, and she was able to pick up tickets at Costco. <laughs> Who knew? Um, do you want to give me – you don't want to give me a, a score prediction yet. That'll come out on Thursday. Yes. Or, Friday, Friday. Friday. Okay. So, But you're nervous. I don't like it when Jake's nervous. <laughs> I like it when Jake texts me the day of a game and say, it says, I feel He's good about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
we have some damn questions. Do you want to, do you want to do some damn questions? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So um, let me just, I haven't pulled up here. here. Here's one from Corvallis country club about Arizona. It says, I know it's not reflected in the record, but Arizona has outperformed expectations this year. What are they doing? That's been so effective against opponents that are much stronger on paper. To me, it's really been their quarterback switch. I mean, if you look at their three losses, first one was to Mississippi state where when Jane Delore was their quarterback, he threw four interceptions. Uh, I think at this point, what we've seen from Noah Fafita leads me to think if he's the quarterback that game, Arizona comes out of Starkville with a win over an, over an SEC program, which would really have helped boost them even more. Uh, and they hung with SC and Washington with Noah as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think he's much safer with the ball. He, he's also uh, – he, he was also – uh, Teotora McMillan's high school quarterback as well. So they have that, uh, you know, that connection already established. They really work well together. And I think that's helped them, uh, especially turnover-wise with having Noah as their quarterback. They haven't been making those dumb decisions that Jane Delore was kind of prone to make. And you've seen them score more points. They're getting more possessions out of a game and if they can really keep the ball safe against Oregon State then they have a very good shot to upset the Beavs. Now Fafita was he Servite is that where he was? Yeah I believe okay. so. Okay um OS Beavers won we pretty much already addressed the injuries um so I think we've got that kind of covered. Black Bandit recruiting seems to be going well what are the coaches telling the guys about the future what needs are we looking for and any feedback from recruiting during the uncertain time, negative recruiting by other schools? There is a lot of negative recruiting going on by the traitorous 10. I will say that. Yeah. But it's, I don't, you know, as far as what I'm hearing and, and Jake, you might be hearing other things too. Um, I think Oregon state coaches are just being really straight up honest <clears throat> that they're going to be playing high level football, um, whether that's in a power four conference immediately or putting together an independent conference that plays some of the best schools. I mean, that's that's what they're telling kids. And yeah. it's still high-level football, and they're going to have a chance to go out and compete for championships. I mean, Oregon State's only had one decommitment now. Uh, mm-hmm. David Abijan was the only one. Um, he just committed to, to Kansas, and that one was about finding a consistent home. But outside yeah. of that, you know, guys like Rustin Young, Alakai Durant, Kike Burnett, the higher, and even extending out to 2025, Baron Naoni, these guys are are locked in, and they're they're really buying into what you know, Coach Smith, Coach M, Coach Bray. All these guys are selling, and I, I think it's promising that these guys are sticking with Oregon State through, through thick and thin. And the closer we get to you know transfer portal season, the more confident I am. As in, guys are going to be staying. Um, I'm not really expecting a ton of guys to transfer out, uh, I think you'll see a lot of guys stick, stay and stick around. Yeah. And that's, and the other thing I don't, I don't think you can even, un, you can underestimate is the power that these guys have as peer recruiters, yeah. both with the guys on the team, but also the, the current commitments. They have a, a, um, a chat thread with all of them that they keep up with each other. They're making friends early, kind of building those early relationships with each other as a class that's huge because they have all this comfort with each other and they help sell each other and, and keep each other, you know, talk each other off the ledge when maybe if somebody starts to question, then they're able to uh, kind of 
reaffirm each other and know that the coaches are, are doing what they can to, uh, to have a, a good home. So I know I'm way less worried. I don't know about you, Jake, but you know, back yeah. in August, it was a little get. stressful. Um, but the more we kind of, we're seeing the season play out, um, uh, Oregon state will, yeah. will be just fine. I'm, I'm much more confident in certain players not transferring as I was even a month ago. Um, yeah. These guys are all bought into the coaching staff and the culture that they've established in our in the Oregon State locker room. And I think they're really just here to stay because they know Coach Smith is capable of getting them to the NFL. Here, here's a question. We're going to jump over to one of our live questions. Eric F., DJ has done an amazing job learning a complex offense in less than a year. How much of his early struggles were due to, due to learning curve? And do you think his knowledge development explains his success? Yeah, you know, I definitely feel like a good portion of his early struggles, especially in SDSU and Washington State, were due to not necessarily having the timing down. So, like, yeah, he's repping, but he hasn't had live game action. He hasn't really had his receivers jammed and pressed off the line as hard as they are in games. You know, the timing's different. He He's not really touched in practice ever. He's He didn't have that. And now he had three or four, three or four games kind of, you know, just get all the, the kinks out almost. And then since then, he's really turned a corner. And, you know, having that knowledge of, what this is fourth year as a uh, a division one starting quarterback. He is probably one of the better quarterbacks at reading defenses. And that really plays to his uh, success over the last couple weekends. Yeah. And it, I, I've watched a couple interviews with him with quarterbacks with, you know, Jordan, uh, not Jordan Boyer. I keep Jordan saying Jordan Palmer. Boyer, <laughs> Jordan Palmer. Um, and talking about just, he's played in an RPO option yeah. offense his whole life. So to come to more of a pro style offense, he had a huge learning curve, but yeah. I think he's, he does. He finally looks comfortable. And he even has admitted after the UCLA game, he just said he's having fun and he's, he's playing football and he it's, it's been fun again. I think some of the fun was taken away last year at Clemson. It was, it was a struggle for him and the fun wasn't there. So now I think to understand the system. And I think one of the, the kind of, nobody talks about it, but he has mentioned it a few times of how well, Coach Lindgren has done in teaching him how to read defenses. Yeah. And that's, and another, that's yeah, that's going to be huge, not only for his comfort this year, but it's going to pay dividends in the long run in the next, in, at the next level. So um, being able to see, you know, be able to read a defense um, is, is huge. So the comfort level is there. He's having fun and you can tell it. he's playing loose. He's having fun. Um, here's a, Connor Johnson said that, when I see Childs BSing with Howard on the sideline, having a good time, I can't help but be hopeful for a future. Those guys yeah. are seriously fun to watch. I mean, that whole class really, but um, big time personalities with Aiden Childs and and uh, Kelsey Howard. You know, going back to to DJ just for a, a quick a quick second. At this point in the twenty twenty three season, both teams have played seven games now. Clemson's lost three. Oregon State's lost one. There's no question whose roster is, is more talented. Clemson has a much more talented roster. I think at this point it's clear that DJ was not the problem. It was a coaching issue, What whether it was Davo Sweeney, the offensive coordinator, the players around DJ. For him to 
take a less talented team and play against tougher teams this year. And they're six and one, top ten. Clemson's not ranked with three losses. Yeah, I mean it's it's all working out for DJ. So yeah. um, it's, it's it's fun to see because you know Jake, you and I've talked about just how fun he is to interview. He, yeah, he just seems so appreciative of he's, everything he has. So um, he's very, very humble. Earth and humble. Yeah, and yeah. Except I, for his giant his giant necklace. That, that's a that's a bling. He uh yeah, and I, I mean he's a guy that's gotten a ton of criticism too over yes, he has. the 2021 and 22 season that maybe should have been gone to Dabo Sweeney instead of, you know, I don't know, just I'm, I'm, I'm very glad and happy that he's kind of out of that criticism on a national level and yeah. he's now having the success on a national level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, Iversoth says how over under on the number of blown calls on Saturday night. Over, whatever over. it is. Whatever uh, the number, Jake's going over. <laughs> We're going to say refs will always pack five. Five blow calls. You're going to I'm be over. I'm taking the over. The Pac-12 refs will pack 12 ref. I think it'll go both ways, I would imagine. Back um, calls for both teams? Yeah. Okay, five. We're going to I'm gonna post that in the, in the lodge. We'll do an over <laughs> and under of five. Beaver Kings, or the Beef Kings, when, when will mortgage rates go down? I don't know, but I hope soon. <laughs> Me too. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, Beavs fanatic. What is crucial for the Beavers to do in order to win the next two conference road games and then return home to Reeser? You know, defensively, I think the defense is their key. I don't think they're going to have a ton of struggles scoring, especially as Colorado, their defense is weak. Now their secondaries had issues. The rush defense has had issues. These two teams are going to throw the ball a lot. They have really good skill players. And they're going to test Oregon State. It's going to be tough. Um, defensively, tackling is going to be huge. If they can wrap up and not let guys get extra yardage and pick up a first down, you know, get themselves off the field and allow the offense to get out there and go back to work. It's, yeah, they're, they're not easy, these next two games. So, no, um, not at all. Yeah, at Arizona, at Colorado. Um, and that Colorado game I see was picked up for 7 o'clock. Um, ESPN. ESPN. This some something else interesting. I saw this on Twitter. Oregon's had four games on Pac-12 Network now. Oregon State's only at two. So okay, uh, for what it's worth. Okay, it's kind of nice not being on Pac-12 Net all the time. So yeah, no. It's, um, it's nice. Rio Alci says, um, any news regarding next year's schedule for the Pac-2? Nothing yet. Um, I do expect we see something probably late November, early December is my best guess. Anything else, Jake, that you want to add before the big Arizona road trip? Nothing much, no. Well, as I said earlier, make sure you remember beaverblitz.com. Jake has all kinds of great content coming out this week um, with analysis pieces, looking at both teams. Um, Mid-season we'll reviews. Mid-season reviews are still rolling out, and uh, Professor Jake is, is giving his grades out. Kind of fun to be on that side of it, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, it's much more fun. Um, and then, you know, we'll be, Eric and I will be live down in Tucson this weekend, um, bringing you all the latest from the road. And then we'll be back next week, next Monday, 3.30 for another episode of the damn podcast. So make sure you get your questions in and, uh, yes, we'll be back next week for another episode of the damn podcast.
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.